podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. After a long month's absence, today's joke is that I played golf and I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> what, what, are your th- what are your thoughts on that, Mr. Barreto? I don't really know what to say on a multiple... <laughs> Meadows looks disappointed, confused, <laughs> but we'll deal with that shortly. Um, I don't know what to make of it, Nate, because I've never seen you so happy. I was I've never quite good seen at, the, at the hitting bit. I was quite never. Good at it. Never. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I think I've been, I've been happy before on, you know, on numerous occasions. I've also was impressed at how smoothly you took to it. Mm. Like it was like you'd been playing golf all your life. It was a bit like that. I, th- I think I've listened to so much talk about it that I feel like I'm a natural now. So You had some you know. expert tuition I did. from Chris Medland. Mr. Medland showed me a grip that was good. He taught me how to stand. And that was before we got to top golf, and then, <laughs> and then, and here is very helpful as well. Um, but no, that was it was helpful. Um, well, two questions. Yeah. One, did you enjoy yourself? I did. Okay. Yes. Wow, that's huge. Two, yeah, it's big news, isn't it? Two, what's going on with Lawrence's sunglasses? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I can see myself in them. So well, good on, glasses. On the right hand side of his head, your left. Yeah. Just isn't right. Lawrence, turn your head for him, would you? No. No, other, other way, other way. Right hand side. Oh yeah, they're they're kind of a bit short of the ear. I think it looks a bit funny. <clears throat> so, funny story. This turns out my head's too big for sunglasses, uh, and I've never really realised. I'd, no- I'd noticed, mate. I'd noticed. <laughs> Thanks. That's Thanks, happened mate. recently. Yeah. <laughs> <Thanks. laughs> Channel- oh, wow. <laughs> Channel four years. Boom. But no, <laughs> guys, come on. So it turns out that no standard sunglass fits my head. So they the curved bit at the end of the arm sunglass arm yeah it's quite now um just doesn't make it past the ear this is that is truly what is happening here tremendous to paint chat. You a picture to paint you a full picture we are sat on a garden bench in the sun outside top golf in adelston surrey name drop southwest <laughs> england great Britain. northern hemisphere planet earth yeah uh and we've just had three games of top golf we've had some lunch we've had a few drinks uh, during which Barreto's big head also demanded a certain type of gin. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was remarkable, wasn't he, it? He has reasoning that I'm sure he'll give him later, but at this stage of proceedings, we need to know, if there's going to be one based on that, what the score was for the joke. Well, I was going to say, I do actually have a joke, but I just wanted to start it a bit differently. So I'll say the joke. What was the, what, what, what was the rating to the first joke? Because you know, it wasn't really a joke. Well, because you loved golf so much, having... Slated it so often on this very podcast. Um, I was going to give you a high score, yeah. you know, in and around the the six or seven mark. Oh, I thought you were going to s- slam him for it because he's, you know, slagged off no, golf this for is, all his life no, and then no, he tries it. This is great. Finally, finally. Maybe. Even if like we've just made you like golf without you realising it. Well, well I mean, it, I, I like top golf. I don't know about golf, golf. Well, hang on, look, baby steps late. Baby I'm steps. surprised the joke there, you should have said you're giving me a birdie or a bogey. That would have been funny, uh, you see. But my joke, <laughs> we can crack That's why it. you do the checks next. Yeah. <laughs> so, my, so my joke, you ready for it? Me, 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 me. So it's the first time we've done it with uh, this much of a build-up. I went to the pharmacy the other day and I asked the assistant, what's the best thing for killing germs? Ammonia cleaner, she said. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you worked here. Oh. <laughs> 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 I always love a joke where you have a little giggle before you love, almost finish like that, yeah. that final line. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I, given we've rambled on for a little bit, I'll get straight to the point. 8.7. Love it. I liked it. Love Strong. It. After a few weeks away, you've hit the ground running. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that score. Sweet. Oh, I suppose I should introduce the show. 
Uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Pad Hoc with Chris, with Nate, and with me. You can read Nate's work on ESPN.com. This is work on racing.com. And my work on F1.com. And I'm aware that I've just done the end. I was going to say, it's not the end of the show. But also, not just that. Who's me? Yeah, who's me? Who are you? First time listener. Very ah. sorry. Because you don't know who me is, even if it's written is everywhere. Is it Ben me? <laughs> no, no, no? no, I haven't got that much footballing talent, no. Um, I'm Lawrence, sorry. I'm Thank Lawrence. You. Thank you. Sorry, sorry, you're right. For new listeners, if you're out there, <laughs> I'm Lawrence. It's, it's because Lawrence now only identifies as Sabrina's husband. <laughs> yeah, got yeah, married yeah. since true. the last episode. So he's, well, he's walking around everywhere being like, my wife, my wife, my wife. And I, I'm, I'm a husband now. I really have Although, used the, the term wife a lot and it's really nice sure you, you've got a wedding ring on i have, have oh you have yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a wedding ring. i thought you were hiding it from me for a second no no um, it's there uh, so let's start there because i think we ended it's been a month since we did this show and last yeah, time we were talking everyone. about your wedding so it was a absolutely beautiful day tell us about it from your perspective is this way you, you needed a month to recover nate I, I, honestly i think i did <laughs> about that time i was quite quite um inebriated yeah i would say inebriated is a fair word and the next day i was in a bit of a state as well oh sorry so, no, no, don't apologise. But I think a good time... It was a celebration of you, so I don't mind. <laughs> no, it wasn't <laughs> and me. And, sorry, and Sabrina. <laughs> and Sabrina. It was just one massive party where feels like you guys had a good time. I think everyone who came had a good time. We had a great time. That's the main thing. Um, it was. We just wanted to have a really nice day. Um, at, it was at Farnham Castle, I can say that now. Where yeah, yeah. No, nobody worked <laughs> this out from the last episode when I gave you the... the about that. The almost uh, when you had to James Bond us. No one no one nailed it. We're very, very sad. But apologies to the police who had to uh, remove people from Hever Castle. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, there, yeah. Were, there, were, there were pad hoc fans lining the streets of Hever Castle. <laughs> yeah. Colchester Castle, they were inebriated, <laughs> inundated with them. If anyone's seen the royal wedding on TV, it was just like yeah. that, but in the wrong location. Yeah. Yeah. But bigger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, More of a security risk. Joe Biden flew in, especially. Couldn't find the location. <laughs> that wasn't down to him not knowing where it was. Just down to him not really knowing anything. Much. <laughs> um, oh, poor sorry, Joe, Joe Biden. I didn't actually get hammered on this. He's all right. He's fine. He's leader of the free world, isn't he? He can, he can put up with a, a joke or two. Uh, anyway. I hope so. I suppose he has to. Right? Yeah. Wait, you Absolutely. do jokes? I think, yeah. Right. That's my last one of the show. So, uh, <laughs> But anyway, other than no, Joe Biden had, not making it. I did how, have how the best it? day. It was the best day ever, really. Um, Good. I was only really nervous on the point in which Sabrina walked up the aisle. Really? Um, up until that point, I was nervous, but then when I saw her, because um, you thought she might turn around and be like, "This no, is a dreadful mistake." Yeah, panic. No. Sort of, yeah. No, Sabrina turned up early. Yeah, no, that did. was stunning. Well, stunning did, did she? We were told she was going to, and we were all made to sit down. Yeah. And then I feel like she didn't. No, because then the true. priest wasn't ready. <laughs> so the priest wanted uh, to start on time. Right. So he decided oh, yeah. that he wasn't going to... He was a character, for, for listeners who weren't there, which is he was pretty much everyone. He was a character. <laughs> yeah, he was. He, he was rogue. But he also, yeah. he also he gave... He had a very thick Irish accent, didn't he? He did. So, so I couldn't really understand much of what he said. Apologies it, if you could understand. It reminded that. me of mass at school when I used to go to a Catholic school. And um, it would just, you'd be like, oh, we're making good progress. We're getting through quite well. And then the priest would stand up and be like, now for the next hour, <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about John the Baptist. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> so that for clarity did <laughs> not happen. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. Already. But no. I just got, I just got but vibes of it, you know, because he stood up and spoke for a little bit. He had, a like, good, oh. he had a good chit-chat. He's good known me for minutes. quite a long time. And yeah, for yeah. the homily, he did. He started off by saying to us in the um, ahead of the day, I'm going to keep it really short. He did not keep it short. No, he didn't. Was that when he got 
towards he'd been talking for a while and he went and if anyone's trying to understand where this old man is going he's trying to find a place to land because that was the best line yeah, that was good where he, he well it was yeah. that was a bit where you're like what what's yeah. where's this headed and it's the fact that he then was like i don't know where it's headed so like he's used on. that line a few times before. yeah it was, it was I, good yeah, I enjoyed it was that. he's good. just a funny yeah. guy so yeah. we wanted someone a bit more relaxed and obviously i've known him for a fair few years yeah, so yeah. that was good so yeah great ceremony great party afterwards dj ryan Shout yeah, out to him. Great. The guy with the drums. With the percussion drums. Yeah, yeah that, was, that, was, that was, good. was good. So, um, yeah, it was a great day all around, guys. We enjoyed ourselves heavily. So, um, listeners will be thankful to know that uh, despite his newfound status as a husband, Lawrence has still been able to find the time to join <laughs> us on the show. I'll he's always find the time for you guys. You know that. Yeah, he's a husband first and a pad hocker second. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, that's the, the right way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's Sabrina the right will way thank to be, you right? for that. Yeah, Not the yeah. other way around. The other way around, you wouldn't have been a husband for very long if it was the other way around. Uh, I thought it was the pad hoc that really uh, attracted her to him. <laughs> that's what I thought. She <laughs> sure, to it once sure she mentioned like, that. Wait yeah. a minute. Who's that guy ra- ra- rating those jokes? Those terrible jokes. Being very kind to his friend about them. That's what, what did it. Maybe, maybe. But now that um, my wedding's done and dusted, we obviously have to throw forward to the next paddock wedding. Yeah, which is... So Nate's got a date tonight, (laughs) and we'll see how quickly you can turn that around. Don't think I can beat you, mate, but um, I'll try. Um, What are you guys doing that Friday in in Hereford? Try it out. Yeah, that might be free. Uh, Yeah, four weeks for me. Yeah, excited. Well, for, for excuses for the lack of pad hocking, I'm also moving house in five days certain mortgage issues permitting so uh yeah there's been a lot going on and the season ended and then everyone else went on holiday and it was like no 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 we've got a lot of very tiring work to do not only like paid work but life life work, work. uh life work. and i guess the same for both of you guys neither of you have gone away either I just, sat here. but i do just love the fact that you're just doing it all in one go Metis. like doing yeah. a wedding's not enough move house at the same time taking all those boxes off yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I, like I th- you're achieving right. life goals yeah and so i love it so my sister won this battle because she also started a new job at the same time. Although Jess oh, wow. started a new job in January, so technically in the same year. Uh, but I think there's been a bit of breathing space. But that's what led to us being able to then be like, okay, that's the house we're going to get because we knew where we could live because job yeah. stuff was a bit more secure. And then the wedding was already planned. So, And you're not going to just say no to the house you want to move into because you might be getting married no. soon after. Also, but it wouldn't be able to understand you. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just be, no. The letterbox are just true. Yeah. Like, mm. um, so, <laughs> wow. That might a be seven. a new low on this that podcast. Might be, that seven. Might be. I would have given it a seven. I liked it. Wow. Well, this says a lot of things about the rating system. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So um, yeah, that's that's all that's all to come. Which there's excitement around this though because I will be moving closer to. I was about to call you my my two co-hosts. As if I'm running this shit, but I'm not. Um, oh, your fellow hosts. I'm not, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's more. Like just you well, guys. Lawrence is kind of the host. Exactly. No, that's why I I'm feel like, like yeah, we just do it like, together. No, you're the host. You intro and outro. I we, do. We do yes, what we that's want. That's true. That's true. You're you meant to keep on the straight and narrow. So when I know. I struggle. Like this, I always like, struggle. Yeah. See, look, you just continue. Yeah. You're just quite good. So, um, okay. Pad hoc is F1 related, isn't it, this one? So I had heard that. I had to listen back to a few to remind <laughs> myself. Yeah. Uh, so let's rewind to the race that only Nate was at, I believe, in Budapest. Budapest. Yes, that's true. The Daniel uh, Ricciardo Grand Prix. Yeah, you missed us, known. right? I did, actually. I did miss you both. Uh, it was a funny one because usually that race for us is the last race of the of the term, you know, the first half of the year. So and the school feeling, and it, it did have that. But then we had to go to Spa after, which was you know slightly. No, I wouldn't say underwhelming, but it was underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna, I don't wanna insult Spa, but no, Budapest was funny because often these Fridays at this stage of the season, sorry, the Thursdays, this stage of the season, the media days, not really a lot to talk about, is there? No. Yeah, we kind of hit that point where it's like, well, we know Max is going to win. 
you know, Lewis is going to sign his contract at some point. Like it's you're scrambling around trying to find a story. We had a we had a ready-made story for us in Danny Rick and his media session. I don't think uh, the pictures of it didn't do it justice. You guys saw the pictures of I did, the yeah, session yeah. in the corner of the Red Bull. It was massive. It. It, I, I counted at the busiest bit though it was um, 15 people deep which is pretty crazy and there was a lot of people there it was the first session of the day so there's probably a lot of reasons why there weren't any clashes but it was just it showed you how popular that story is it was pretty fun um, and yeah Ricardo just seems to have kind of just come back it's almost like he's not been away which I thought was kind of cool mm. he's come back into it it's weird seeing him in Alpha Tower again I don't know if you thought that <laughs> it looks like he's, he's like put the wrong kit on or something um, but yeah that was, that was pretty fun I think without that as well those two races would have been there have really been nothing to talk about. They've been quite flat, I think. They really would have been. So, <laughs> so, and, he, and 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 it's good he did well the first the first week. You know, he, the, the out qualified Yuki uh, finished should have probably been in the points. He had not been hit at the start of Hungary. So I enjoyed that. I thought it was really great. And um, and yeah, he's just he's just fun to talk to still. He hasn't lost any of that, so that was fun. Um, and then Budapest. What else happened in Budapest? I can't really remember. I think you just went out a lot, didn't you? Yeah, that's pretty much Budapest. Yeah. Half of the course, you go out, go to the ruin bars a little bit. Um, have a bit of schnitzel. Oh, sorry, schnitzel. Why did I say schnitzel? Schnitzel. Schnitzel. Is that um, a breed of dog? I think it is. Yeah, that's Shitzu. But no, yeah, I, I, Hungary's one of my favourite races. Still is. Always has been. So, um, so yeah, good times. Uh, I feel like I'm missing something with Hungary, but I can't. I can't remember anything else that happened. Genuinely. I mean, Lewis Hamilton took pole. I must have gone down quite well. Oh, that was cool because I'd run down to the mix zone at that point. And um, for anyone listening, that's where the TV pen is. But we also have the written pen there. Uh, and I couldn't quite see the TV that was on. You could see Lewis on a great lap, and you could just hear the noise of Lewis getting pole. I think I don't know whether it was because there was lots of Lewis fans there or whether it was just because someone other than Max had taken it, but it was really... I mean, it's louder than Silverstone when you know, when, when Lewis does something there. It was really loud. It was a really cool moment. So I thought that was great. But also, um, it was really close, though, wasn't it? 0.03 oh, yeah. yeah, like, or something. Like top like three, were, weren't it? Yeah. Max and Lewis. Like, if you so. clicked your fingers, it would be more time between the two, you know? More so, than that. Yeah, more than nice. that. Nice. Nice. Um, so I was I was at a wedding. That was my excuse. That's right. Uh, so I had a reason, as in, you know, I, I just give up time to go to weddings. Whereas Beretta was just, I don't know, gallivanting. I was on the mini moon. There you go. See, exactly. Just mini moon. There you go. Uh, and, but the wedding was that. Uh, it was one of uh, Jess's best friends. And there was three of them as a group who used to go to races together and like work together at Haymarket, which is the owner of Autosport or was. Uh, so they used to work together on that and big F1 fans. And the bride then for was like kind of yeah keeps up to date with what's happening in qualifying uh, and also they wanted to know what's going on with the ashes and the ashes were on at that point so I genuinely was on my phone all the time streaming it and not getting in trouble it was amazing Brilliant. so it was, it was after the ceremony it was you know it was in the um, reception so I wasn't that's ballsy at a wedding to, yeah. to get a phone out and do well that. so I thought yeah. that there was a point we had three phones lined up on our table and we had the cricket on one we had F1 qualifying on the next one and we had the open because the golf was on as well I saw that on Instagram and I was like oh, that's ballsy <laughs> it of, was of medicine Jeff and they just kept asking questions wanting to know and yeah Lewis getting pole they're very happy with it. I think See, again same thing most people were just like well it's not I've got to cool. point out here that at Lawrence's wedding the greatest Wimbledon final of all time <laughs> was taking place and none of us watched it out of respect I debate that that, that greatest one was Federer Nadal 2009 in recent memory and we didn't watch it so I think Fair. your respect for, for Beretta is much higher by the sounds of it than your respect for these other two I do appreciate that yeah and yeah. we I mean, we could have gone and watched it you know we, we were look, look we saw the live one like this game sounds great we had whatsapp chats coming in so oh yeah we know. did check it on BBC Sport a few times maybe maybe, maybe, maybe the memory of that had haunted you so much you're like can't miss more sport well no because this one was this wedding was before Oh no, it was after it was yours. After it was after, after yours. Yeah. I mean, before, but yeah, that I had to go back to back weddings. I mean, woe is me. But uh, yeah, I we've we've dodged that bullet that with our wedding, it's taking place 
on the day of England's Rugby World Cup opener. And we have a lot of rugby fans coming to the wedding. Mm. So we're paying for a TV to be set up to show the game. Oh, no way. Because it's going to be when there's no nothing really happening. Well, a bit parties going on, but it's not like, no, no speeches at that point or anything like that. So it's like, people are going to wa- want to watch. I'm going to want to watch. Jess wants to watch. Let's just make sure it's on. Yeah. Make sure people can see it. And then no one has to do the clandestine thing with your phone and all that. So um, learn from that, Bretto, next time. This <laughs> 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 should be a tennis room. <laughs> yeah, but it went, that match went on for hours. So did your wedding. Like, yeah, that's have a true. That is no. true. Yeah, you're right. It did go for Your hours. wedding was great fun. We had, a, we had an awesome time. Uh, and it was lovely to see the great and good from Formula One mm. uh, elsewhere on Twitter uh, and us lot at your wedding. But no, it was, it was really fun. <laughs> it genuinely was. Um, but we both made it back to Spa. We did. And to Belgium for one last hurrah before the summer break. Soggy spa. And this is where I will admit, so we have multiple group chats. As I'm sure everyone does. Every listener, if you're on WhatsApp, I bet you have like, I don't know, 20, 30 group chats. And on one of them, it's a bunch of us that kind of share, I don't know, planning ideas or like travel, who's going here, when, where, in case you end up on the same flight, whatever it is. There's just like kind of people we work with in F1 that we've all ended up on a group chat. And most people on that group chat ahead of Spa were kind of going, can't we bother with this? Like, <laughs> I need a break. Yeah. And I get that we do, well, you get into that feeling anyway, don't you, before the summer break? Like yeah. It's been, what was it, 13 races, 12 races, but we had four in five weeks. And when you list those races and where some of the travel's been, like, people were tired out, burned out. I get that. But it stood out to me how much people seemed to want a break before Spa. Yeah. And everyone seemed fine once they were there. And it's, it's, it feels horrible to say, because I'm sure fans are going, but it's an amazing circuit, you're so lucky to do what you do. And it's like, yeah, but that's why it actually stood out, that people were still like, mm. I, just, I wish this wasn't happening. And I think that's when you're in a bit of a danger zone, is when F1's making you feel like, I wish this wasn't happening right now. Uh, Formula One representative doesn't need to comment. <laughs> uh, but because, uh, the reason I bring it up is because Lawrence and I going there, I felt great. I was looking forward to it and excited. But I, I realised, yeah, we weren't in, I think we were in the minority at that point. Yeah, because we'd missed Hungary, Henry. So we, I was... I was excited to be back at mm. a race track. And also, it was a really short stint at that race before I knew I'd had three weeks or whatever it is after that. I think, to me, the biggest killer now at races is Fridays that don't have a sprint, qualifi- uh, don't have qualifying on them now. They're just like, once you because once you've done that format once, you're kind of like, oh, you know. So the only good, so Spa obviously had the sprint part of it. So yeah. that, that actually made up for it a little bit that you came to the Friday and like well at least we have like a three day competitive weekend I quite like that but sometimes you go to some races and the Friday you're like it's pretty dull you know there's not really much going on there so I would say that about Spa I kind of felt like the sprint saved its enjoyment for me and the sprint was pretty good I thought yeah yeah I, it was a good one yeah. it, was, it was fun so Oscar leading yeah, it was, uh, mega. it was fun. Well, it's just whenever whenever you have half the grid pit on one lap and then the other half pit on the other naturally it's going to mix things up I thought was, that was pretty cool um, well I was going to bring bring that up. Now you mentioned Oscar Piastri. The coolest part of the last two races has been McLaren just kind of jumping out of nowhere. Well, not really the last two races because Silverstone had done it, but confirming it. confirming it over yeah. the last two races. What do you guys think of that? I think it's pretty mega. And kind of, I look back at some of the stuff we were like we've said earlier in the pod. They've kind of they've proved a lot of people wrong, haven't they? In terms of being able to do that. I think so. Button. I think it shows that the regulations allow for big steps. Aston, we've seen yeah. Aston do it now. Over the winter, we see McLaren do it. Okay, this is what they wanted to do ahead of the season. They couldn't do it ahead of um, in time as well. But I think that it just shows that there is opportunity within the budget cap, sticking within the rules, to make those big steps. So it actually shows that some of the other teams are struggling a little bit more, your Mercedes and Ferrari. But look, fair play to them. James Key left, obviously, earlier this year. 
Um, I do personally think that a lot of what they've brought would have been down to him because of the amount of time that it will take for things yeah. to come through the system. You know, it's probably fair to say the new technical structure has probably allowed maybe the, the upgrade to come a little bit quicker. Maybe they got the most out of it. But fundamentally, he would have had a, a hand in that as well. Um, but yeah, I think it, it bodes well for McLaren going forward. Um, I'm excited to have another team up in that sharp end as well, especially as Aston Martin is starting to fade. Um, and we're finally going to get to see really what Lando has got when someone is really pushing him hard. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to debate something Lawrence just said. Go for it. But And I like James Gee as a guy. Uh, and I, I, I do still rate him. Um, but I think that at McLaren, he just did a, a good job. But I do not think there's any way they let him go or released him or fired him or however it actually played out if they if he played a significant role in that update. I think it's the fact that that opportunity had been missed and others felt that it was there and it was proven out to them that, yes, this has been missed by our technical director um, or the structure in place hasn't allowed us to do it is why he's then gone. Because surely, otherwise, they've shot themselves in the foot. They've made a yeah. great step forward, but they don't have the guy that helped them get there. So I, I don't know the, the detail on that. And I interviewed Zach about a week ago, and I'm, I'll admit he will probably spin it in a certain way yeah he didn't he didn't say anything negative about james at all but he was very complimentary about the people they have there now and their input and what they'd seen uh and it wasn't that james didn't do that but it was i just can't see how they'd let him go in that case but you might restructure around him you might you might want to almost dare i say demote him um flip side and again i'm just arguing myself here because you know <laughs> why not uh he picked up a, a role again at audi alfa romeo pretty quickly uh, alongside Seidel and if that was because he actually had that lined up and had been approached by Andreas already and then McLaren's structure didn't suit him but he still had brought a lot to the table then he's like well I'm going to go and take that job then that could also make sense but I just would be surprised if McLaren allowed him to go essentially when um, or allowed themselves to lose him if he had discovered this direction of, of um, upgrade because the thing with that seems to be uh, Mark Hughes wrote about this in Motorsport Magazine but it's, it's genuinely, he thinks they're the first team that have actually followed what Red Bull have done. It's to do with the way the floor's designed. And that no other team, even Aston Martin don't have it, that no other team has worked it out. Aston Martin have done good things compared to what Mercedes and Ferrari have done and, and really nailed a concept that's slightly different. But to get to towards the Red Bull direction, McLaren are the first ones to understand the secret, essentially, to Red Bull's success, which is higher tunnels under the car, like, big, like more pronounced tunnels under the car. Um, and if that's true then yeah, that's a major find and step forward that I just wouldn't think they'd allow him to go for. But I could be wrong because, yeah, genuinely, this is all based on opinion. This isn't based on inside knowledge. It just came around the time, though, where McLaren were really struggling, weren't they? Like, mm. I imagine Zach could have been under a lot of pressure from the board, from shareholders, because of the way that the form had kind of tipped away and they'd obviously made that late decision to change the development direction and change what they were going to do. And I think at some point you do maybe need to make a change just to show you're trying to make a change. I'm not saying that James Key is fully 1,000% responsible for everything that they've delivered at the minute, but like I, I failed to see how he can't have had some sort of role in kind of explaining what they're going to do. That said, I do feel like the technical structure they've got in place now makes a lot more sense. I think the people who are kind of working together now and everyone has clearer roles, I do, I do think that going forward is a good thing. So maybe it's just a combination of things as well. But the, your point about the fact that they've cracked the way that Red Bull are getting the most out of the floor when everyone else hasn't managed to do it, whoever's managed to do that and whoever's contributed to that is very impressive. Well, just... 
to circle back to the fact that Nate asked a question about five minutes ago. Yes, it is very exciting that McLaren <laughs> yeah. done this. Um, but also, uh, Lawrence, you just mentioned like how Aston slid away, but then Alonso was fifth and pretty strong in inspiring the race. Like what I think is awesome is having those four teams in McLaren, Aston Martin, Ferrari, and Mercedes, and you can't tell which one's going to be second any weekend. But you genuinely believe that each one of them has the potential to be. And yeah, maybe Aston were the one that you kind of thought didn't anymore until Spa, and then you're like, okay, they could still maybe get themselves in that fight. They're not they're not dropping like a stone like, away from this fight. They're just not quite there. Um, I think that's brilliant. I think that's genuinely what these whole rules are made to create. It's just the fact that Red Bull are up the road. If we could, sorry, Red Bull and Red Bull fans, but if we could just remove them, be awesome, or just push them back a little bit. Yeah, you know. But at the, at the same time, you look at what Checo's done. I mean, we've talked about it before, but yeah. it, that's where you have to give Max the credit that people, some people probably won't want to, others feel like he doesn't get it enough. Like it's the combination of him and that car and that team, and the way it's all clicking is so formidable. But that's why it's Schumacher-esque and Hamilton-esque. And that's why it is on that level of the greats where someone becomes dominant because everything works for them. And as you see from the teammate who's proven he can win races, and at times we've hyped up because, you know, start this season with two wins from the first four, like you go, actually, he could be very good, a proper challenger, is made to look average and is fighting with all the other teams. Like if they had two drivers of Checo's level, they'd have a strong lineup still, but they would be in that fight behind. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that that's why... So these are all, you know, this this cost cap that's come in, I think we're seeing it play out in a really cool way as well because, like, the whole idea of you're only really as good as your last upgrade seems to be the thing at the moment. Every team that's brought a big upgrade has kind of made a step forward. I think that's, well, in terms of in that battle at the front anyway. And that's and that's great, you know, because if, if we do get to a point where, like Metis says, Red Bull get pulled back a little bit, I think we'll be in a great situation where it's just going to, every race imagine that if, if every, every race we weren't it wasn't we weren't sure who was going to be second we weren't sure who was going to be the fastest car that would be like back to 20, 20, 2012 levels again yeah. where you kind of come to every race like well this could be like Red Bull could be anywhere between first and third best here yeah, and suddenly you know, it moves around like that so we, we feel close to it but at the same time I feel like we're far off that because Red Bull do seem with Max in the car and with the car they have that, that, that advantage seems pretty big I can't see it coming down especially now we're hearing all the teams saying we're just going to go to 2024 so we're really interested to see the second half of the season we're coming up to if that gap starts to come down for like Merck or for McLaren I think it, it surely it will at some point but it's just how much like how much that actually comes down I don't know and how well it's also for next year as well how much Red Bull has as development opportunity yeah with the fact they've nailed these regulations we're still early in them like, I'm sure they're going to improve their car again. That's the thing. Like you, everyone's going to be trying to catch a benchmark that's further up the road from where they're right now. It's like with Mercedes, right? When yeah. in, everyone was making gains under the V6 turbos, but the problem was the team making great gains as well was Mercedes, and yeah. so they would always turn up at races and were moving that goalpost forward. So, yeah, I think you're right about Red Bull. They don't get the credit they deserve, and I think they're going to keep winning at this kind of level at, at least into next season. Um, and yeah, it's going to look like oh, Formula One's rules have ruined it. But it's like, well, one team's just dominated them they've just done a better just job, a better job than everyone else yeah. and it just it's so difficult to catch up in f1 yeah um, but well, if i'm remembering correctly as well because the one thing that we'll get thrown back here which understandably is the cost cap breach and mm. i mean the level of breach like as we went through it with the actual numbers and the way it actually worked out like they they, they submit some things wrongly but that weren't you know overspends or illegal it was just wrong admin uh, but the overspend itself was i think 700 grand something like that um and you know it was still it was a low percentage but it's still an overspend so there's still a gain but it's not the gain that's put them where they are like they knew what they know now they'd have they'd have had very similar maybe they'd have brought a few fewer components to the track or something like that but if I remember correctly the other team so there's Williams for reporting late 
got yeah. penalised at the start of the year. But the other team that breached, Aston, Aston. Aston Martin. Um, now they didn't like, they, and again their breach was very minimal and was like the way it was explained. Uh, got them off fairly lightly, but no one's turned around and going like brilliant step forward from Aston Martin, but you know they cheated because it, it they're not frustrated at that. It's helping the sporting picture, so that's why I feel like yeah, that's true. It's almost levelled at Red Bull because it, they're annoyed already that Red Bull are dominating, and I and I get it. And also that they clearly did wrong. That's why they've been penalised in some way, shape, or form. But even with that penalty, they've gone further forward. Yeah, uh, and I'm with you. They'll be winning. I think they're, they're the hot favourites for next year. But I actually think the, the other teams have a chance of properly if they understand it. Like a Mercedes or Ferrari, if they get it right in the way that McLaren or Aston have over a winter, they will become Red Bull level. They won't get close. They will become that level. So you've got to hope that they do that. But yeah, I just kind of feel like there's a little bit that that will continue to be thrown at them. But partly because of just the fact that they're dominating. If they weren't dominating, no one would be mentioning it anymore. If mm. say Mercedes were dominating and Red Bull had done that, no one would be complaining. So it's it's there's a balance on that on that side of like how angry to be about it. Uh, but we've got to wait and see as well this year in case anything <laughs> has come out of the way the cost cap's gone because it's a complex issue and people will get that right and wrong. But uh, yeah, that's all. That that fun's all to come. <laughs> I'm not sure you describe it as fun. No, it was Singapore last year, wasn't it? And it was stressful as anything. Well, we're probably going to get it over the next two races, I would say. That's going to be the thing we're talking about, isn't it? I, I would imagine. Because they want to get it done before that Asia leg. That This year's results come out, I mean. They want to. Yeah. They want to. Whether but they, they also wanted to uh, finalise whether a new team could come in by the end of June and then by the end of July. I yeah, think, yeah. So. True. Uh, and we're still waiting on that. But, yeah, hey, uh, it gives us something to do over the summer. That's true. Lawrence, F1, what's their official take, official stance on the budget cap? Are you allowed to say? <laughs> official uh, stance on the 11th team? Official stance. I want Stefano's... I want, uh, you I want his. You're going to have to ask him. No, 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 but, you're the, but, I, but I don't have him <laughs> you're the in front person, of me. Yeah. I, have, I do have Lawrence Barreto of F1. You do, but I'm obviously not an official spokesperson. Well, so. but that's, with that attitude, you never will. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. But uh, yes, we're going to stay to that party line. I'm not an oh, official look at this. He's... <laughs> In marriage, he's still he's still as, as good as ever. I like that. Hasn't, <laughs> hasn't, hasn't, you haven't lost any focus. I like it. Would you like to see a new team or two in Formula 1? I would, but I think they've got to be a team that's... I don't want a, a team that just folds after three years because I think that just looks really really silly. But yeah, I think there's... If you look at it from a sporting point of view, you've got two more drivers in, a bunch more sponsors in, just a new team for people to root for. You've got that kind of new feeling to it. You know, if it wasn't Andretti, for example, I think that'd be great for the US. You know, get, get that team name in. Uh, I don't know how big it is to a non-racing fan, if I'm honest with you, the Andretti name. I know that that's played up a lot by petrol heads. I don't think your average Joe in America gives a damn if it's Andretti or if it's Bob or if it's if it's Team Craig, you know, whoever. The, like, just give it any name. Did they enter? Yeah, well, Team Bob, they're, 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 <laughs> uh, they're a left field. It's uh, Mr. Bob of America as well. Um, great racing family. But my point being that the na- I don't think the name for, for a younger demographic really matters. I think what's great about new team coming in is just having a competitive 11th team there you know it brings with it a lot of new opportunities as well like it means you know maybe new engine manufacturers come in you know all this stuff so I think it would be great um, whether it will happen I, I doubt it because I think F1 wants to protect itself and they want to protect its teams which I kind of I kind of get their point of view well I do get their point of view as well but um, I think it would be quite short sighted if a team got blocked I think the more likely thing we'll see is one of those teams buying an existing team to come in that's just my guess I'm not like with, like with what Meta said earlier about James Key, not based on the insider knowledge, but just where the, where things seem to be headed. I don't know if we'll get it, but um, but it'd be great. Um, and I guess as well, a new team comes in. It's a whole. Does Drive Survive become eleven part? 
It's a ten part. What happens? Oh, that? Isn't it eight part? Is it eight part? Oh damn! Yeah, I think they change that. Does it become? Sorry, does mate. it stay eight part or does I it? I think go it stays eight part. Yeah. Eight point. And eight point. Fight nine part maybe. Fight even harder for some time. Does Mercedes just drop out again? Ferrari. And Ferrari. Say? Yeah, Ferrari and Mercedes. So no, we'll we'll give our slot up to. Oh, it's a team Bob. Oh, just <laughs> quick aside. I was talking to someone uh, involved with the F1 film, and they they were kind of saying about how they some drivers have really bought into it but really get like Carlos Sainz in Silverstone really like made sure he was yeah. in shot uh, it turns out I think uh, Lewis there's there's photos circulating we weren't really meant to promote these but photos circulating of uh, Park Fermé there's a shot being seen in Park Fermé in Hungary and uh, I think the, the frame that everyone got was Lewis congratulating um, Damson Idris's character celebrating something but you don't know what he's celebrating because what, what they've publicly said is it's a back of the grid team so you don't, mm. I genuinely don't know what he's celebrating but um, he's celebrating Park Ferme and Lewis congratulates him not scripted not planned not told to do it and I know Lewis is involved but he w- that's, that was just him being like I would do that to, in a race to someone who celebrates you know like Max has won a race and you're walking past you don't blank them you go well done like, mm. and, and carry on so they were saying some drivers are like that and it's been it's been really good to, to see them connect and others haven't been because they're a bit like well it's a bit weird or it's Hollywood but they mentioned Drive to Survive, and you, you look at the fact that Mercedes and Ferrari didn't commit to it in the first year. They were like, no, we don't have the time. It's not worth <laughs> our... You know, we're too important. We're focusing on winning races, whatever. The most committed team was Red Bull. Uh, it didn't hurt their chances moving forward, did it? it yeah. And and the second year, everyone was suddenly like, you need to get involved. This is going to grow our sport and take it to a new audience. And it doesn't hurt the existing audience. I get that not every F1 fan's a fan of Drive to Survive, but... It, if it takes it to a new one and strengthens the sport as a whole, that's great for everyone. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Agreed. Yeah, I thought I, I thought that was funny about the film. But on the new team, I wanted to answer your question, Lawrence. Uh, I don't care how long we're running. We're going to have the <laughs> longest episode ever. Uh, Lawrence is very... He's, he's looking at the clock. Just like, keep an eye on it. More, yeah. more beers, things. please. Uh, so, I'm trying to keep control of this pod. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Good luck. Good luck. Um, so, with the new teams, I'd love to see new teams. Genuinely. Uh, look, at Haas are, are great for us to connect with now anyway. But... Like, I find new teams like a really fascinating aspect of F1 whenever one, whenever one can come in. If you think of the Mano Caterham HRT spell, that was a point where they wanted them to come in because F1 was struggling. Like There was a lot of teams really struggling, and the way they viewed it then was they other teams could go under. We could end up with not enough teams. We need more coming in if people are ready to do it. That Two of them, maybe all three of them, are joined on the premise of a cost cap as well. It's the only way they could afford it. Funnily enough, that didn't happen. Funnily enough, they didn't survive. I don't worry about anyone going under now coming yeah, in. Yeah, I think with, it, with I the think cost caps and the way F1 is, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be okay who comes in. I think any of the ones that have applied could. I only think Andretti really do bring a lot to the table. Like, high-tech sound like they've advanced a lot, that they've got a good racing setup, that they might have developed quite a good car so far that's been in the wind tunnel. But I, as far as I'm aware, they don't have any other backer, as in, like, a car manufacturer or something. So it is just a racing team being added. Now, that's not a problem. Great. If they can come in and it makes sense, fine. Like, it'd be awesome to see a new team take it to other teams. But then when you go, but what? You, know, you look at the Andretti option and, okay, America, great. But just General Motors getting involved. And people think of General Motors as a power unit. Like, even Zach said this in the interview I did with him the other day. It was like, you know, oh, if they're coming in as a power unit supplier, then maybe, yeah, it's additive. But General Motors have their own racing program with like Cadillac and stuff. They don't just make power units. They make racing cars. They're, they're a whole racing entity. So if they're partnering, that's that's more than just, you know, if they don't supply a power unit, but they might build half the chassis or something. Like yeah. the, some of their design ideas and things like that. So I think getting a company that massive within global motoring is a really good thing for F1. Because not only that, say Andretti struggle, but GM like it. They like 
what they're getting from it. They like the exposure they're getting. They see that they could do better with another partner, whatever it may be. No offense to Andretti, but imagine that scenario. Then they might end up partnering with an existing team or another team. And again, that's strength in the sport. So yeah. I'd, I'd see there's a lot going for that Andretti bid, uh, as far as I'm aware. And they've hired some smart people as well. But I just think it's fascinating. Like the film, Silverstone, we were all staring at Apex GP and looking in their garage and we paying attention to what's going on. And that was a fictional 11th team. But Racer won't mind me saying this. That was one of our top 10 stories of the month was just the fact that they were there doing the, the story on the Thursday. Yeah, it did well on ESPN couple. as well. Yeah. Same thing. Like, people are new excites people. Now, you get new and potentially competitive and well-backed, well-resourced, well-planned. I, I don't see how that hurts. And if we're not going to expand now, when are we? Because we're not, we're not going to get to the point that 10 teams are all about to collapse with the way F1's now structured. They've learned, like COVID helped, but cost cap and stuff everyone has a good business model that they'll survive at the very least and I don't like the idea of then trying to make every team as profitable as possible in terms of where well, you could sell for a load of money if you don't let anyone else in that is anti-competitive to me yeah. um, and I look at like the NFL or any of the American sports that are franchise based which F1 now has become let's be honest you need to you need to expand to create an even better product and to stop it seeming like it's just a money grab so I'm, I'm absolutely all for a new team and you, and you can change the power balance as well in terms of like the politics. I mean, I'm not saying like a new team's going to come in and immediately have the same sway that like a Christian Horner or Toto Wolff does. But you bring someone like that into the mix, and like you say, with all that all that backing, suddenly those discussions are very different because you've got a team coming in with a completely new ba- like new view of stuff and says, well, actually, we we don't buy into this kind of unwritten rule of how you do things in Formula One. We actually think this is better for Formula One. And the NFL thing, we spoke to um, James Vowles, didn't we, mm. in uh, at Spa, and he mentioned about that. He said in the NFL, if F1 moves more towards that model, you know, you've basically got 32 teams who are they're trying to help each other because they understand that if all the teams are doing well, the league does better. And I think we're slowly moving towards that. I think it'll take time, but bringing 11 team in, I think, just shows like we're actually viewing this bigger than just we're 10 teams and it's just us. It's it's all about the sport itself. So I agree with you. I think it would be I think it would be mega. It's just I think that they have to select the right team. I think Andretti is the right. I think Andretti would be the right option. Um, yeah. From what from what we know, I think it would be interesting to see any of the teams come in that have they've kind of applied. There's a few that really have very little known about them and very little uh, business planning that was made public, which doesn't mean it's not there, but it's hard to then back them because of that. But um, yeah, Andretti have they've outlined enough previously, but at the same time they've gone quiet recently because they were told to. F1 said, "Stop talking." When publicly. Michael Andretti kind of spoke too much at the start yeah. of the year, didn't he? He was like, talking, and I slagged him off for it. Talking, I, talking. I, I, I yeah, remember so. writing a piece on racing, being like, "Just shut up," like yeah. as in in the nicest possible way. If you want a chance, and and I wanted them to have a chance, I'm like you're hurting yourself by doing this. So you don't slag off the people you, that you're trying to get into bed with. Yeah, you don't, you don't you don't say these guys are all greedy. It's like, well, they're not going to take that very you know lightly. So got a topic that we haven't touched on yet Alpine how yeah it's been uh, quite a few weeks I'd say maybe in even a few months for Alpine obviously they had that investment from Ryan Reynolds it was all looking quite rosy then Lauren Rossi got moved aside their CEO then we got to Spa and uh, Otmar Zafnauer Alan Permain team principal and sporting director left the team mid-weekend but completed the race weekend yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that before <laughs> very odd Look, maybe like Laurent Mackey's a little bit at Ferrari was told he's going to have Tari continued in the role as point director but that happened and obviously Pat Fry left as well but he went to another job to Williams as their chief technical officer I don't think I've covered Formula 1 
and seen that much change in one team in one go. No. And I there was looking back in history and I don't think I've seen that much in from the in the senior positions that well, much. Four change. years they've made the there must be about eight or nine changes that have been made at those kind of levels. It's, yeah, it's and that, that's what's important, actually. Because yeah. So the Pat Fry move was one that I remember asking James Vowles about it. I was like, are you pissed off? Because Williams had told us in the morning it was coming or something was coming. You know, At this time, we're going to have an announcement. That's why you're speaking to James afterwards. Then it was like, we can let you have it under embargo. And I think uh, motorsport.com or someone like did get something on it ahead of time, which annoyingly we then are not allowed to touch because we've been told it officially under embargo so you can't then be like oh it's out there so we're going with it um but the the fry move started in april or was agreed in april helping you in april so that was fry going this place is on fire i I want out right now uh having apparently when val said he first approached me in february been like no i'm really happy where i am i don't want to move so that shows kind of had the deterioration over that period um that also tallies and val said this again didn't he that you can look at the time roughly where he probably made that decision, which was the Miami weekend when Lauren Rossi had a real go at management and things started to get publicly dirty. From then, we probably should have seen this coming, certainly with Safnauer, but, um, well, we did see it coming and he, he wasn't happy about it and other people weren't happy about it, but it was clear at that point. What almost saved him, I think, was Rossi going or would have given an opportunity to, and that's why I actually feel like it's been unfair. Then some other people have come in and they're tasked with, all right, we'll turn this around quicker because McLaren have done it and Aston have done it. So then they go to Zafnauer and, and Pemain and co and go, you've got to be like making huge steps within the next 12 months or whatever it is. And they've gone, that just doesn't happen. Mm. Yes, they might have done it, but we can't guarantee you that. This is a timeline we need. We want to hire people, blah, blah, blah. And and Renault have gone, no, like if that doesn't tally with what we want. So I, I in a weird way, having it was the writing was on the wall from Miami and um, I don't mind admitting that I was heavily criticised um, by people in, within Al- Alpine for saying, like, how do you hold on to your job when Rossi's coming out and, like, you know, machine gunning the place at that stage? Uh, people are going to lose their jobs because of it. And then it happens. But by the time it happened, you're actually like, well, come on, you've, gone, you've got to this point, you've waited this long, and you've had a change of CEO. Like, yeah. put a plan in place. But they clearly don't have one, do they? They haven't announced yeah. anything since. Well, so everything you wrote has proven to be true as well. You know, yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like there's not real satisfaction in that because they. it's not like they've then gone, oh, this is what we were planning to do. Yeah. I feel like, I don't actually feel it's that directly connected, what's happened now with what happened then because Rossi left. Mm. Well, I, so from, from what I understand, that definitely rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and I think it it took any ne- any positive momentum that was going and just turned it the other way. But what I was going to bring up was I've never, you, you mentioned I've in times of working in Formula 1 you've never seen that much change I can't remember many times I've read an article as as explosive as Alan Prost's in Le Keep that followed that he was ruthless wasn't he, he and what was it what was the what was the personality trait that he gave Laurent Rossi what was the name of it I was oh. about to say it's the Freddy, Freddy Krueger effect but it's not it's something Diane, like, it's Tyler, not Diane, Denning. Just, Tyler Denning no Krueger's in Tyler Denning no, Tyler Denning works Kruger. for ESPN something uh, Denning something or Dunning Dunning Tyler Denning's a guy that um I've worked with at ESPN before. It's definitely not Tyler Denning. Talk about yourself. I'm going to Google it. Yeah, do it. But anyway, but my point being is that Prost is somebody who was like intimately involved in um, in that project, and the article. I mean, I you know urge anyone listening to go to go read it in full because the quotes are just unbelievable. You know, he calls. It's basically aimed at Lauren Rossi. He says, you know, he undid all the good momentum we had. Said the guy was incompetent. All these different things. So it shows you that even outside of the team, there are people who are deeply upset with how it's going so I think that that whole team's in a real mess at the moment um, and whether or not this change gets rid of that because I think sometimes culturally you just need to nuke everything 
and just start again. And I mean, I don't know anything about Bruno Firmin, who's come in and is now kind of in that in that position. But I mean, how <laughs> it's difficult to be convinced that they've moved on from those problems just with another reshuffle. Do you know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's the case. So I've not quite got to it, but in my head I've got Dunning-Kruger effect. I think it's Dunning-Kruger. Um, and I'm just double-checking I had, it. I had, it I, is, yeah. Dunning-Kruger Kruger effect. Dunning -Kruger which effect. means that, and the, the definition he gives, which is slightly off, but it's it's actually the, the definition Pross gives of Dunning-Kruger is somebody who's so incompetent that they make up for that with confidence in their abilities. And he said that's what Lauren Rossi had. And I've never seen somebody so publicly eviscerated in Formula 1. And whether it's true or not, who knows? Well, obviously, Alan Prost knows that team and his words carry quite a lot of weight. And it gives you an insight, given the fact that he left the team when Rossi came in, kind of hints at what was going on behind the scenes there, which I think is remarkable. But I also think playing devil's advocate, I think when you've been let go. Oh, yeah, from, yeah no, absolutely. You know, from a position. That There's some bitterness there. Got, yeah, and I, yeah. Think, I think especially the tone, I think you can probably, you can kind of assess the situation and actually say where things are going yeah. wrong but there was a there was an element of bitterness that I think that came through oh absolutely kind of and, and we haven't heard from Rossi yet so he, no. he might give a very different opinion and I, I think so you can never just trust one thing but I just think it was fascinating that that's the insight we get into it is is that article because you're right the bitterness there Prost obviously was let go for a reason you know he must have done something or there must have been something that people felt he wasn't a good fit for at the time so um but yeah it was it, you could imagine him almost saying it and just spitting as he said it you know spitting and covering the lens with with saliva you know just like and Alan Prost never usually like that is he? he's quite no. a soft spoken kind of guy so um sorry yeah. sorry to zone out um <laughs> these these who know uh, but nobody listening knows um today started badly for me where i'm meant to move house in 5 days and there'd been an admin error in some way shape or form with our mortgage and i was essentially going to be out twenty thousand pounds which i couldn't afford uh and also uh 50 per month on the mortgage rate there'd been some admin errors anyway i was stroke uh scrabbling to try and fix it uh it was on other people to fix it was a mortgage provider's problem all that this is really boring for people i know but there was a chance it was going to actually mean either the sale fell through or that it got delayed but i've just had an email that suggests we're good oh, uh, which is why i said it was on my phone being like okay they've they seem to have rectified it so i'm a very happy man right now Get in. Uh, and seeing as we've had a few drinks sat here at top golf and a lovely <laughs> time and also the first pad hoc on three separate mics in person we think no yes. no no, think no so. we did do it we did it in mclaren oh yeah on three separate true. mics. yeah we oh, did yeah, okay. but but this is way to be a buzzkill the second pad hoc on three separate mics all together uh, I'm going to suggest we have a celebratory drink at the end of this. Podcast. I think so, and we should definitely end on that very positive note. We should indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry to Lauren Rossi uh, and, yeah. and Alpine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, uh, but yes. Um, chaps, Rossi, as ever. Rossi's been on lossy to Formula One. Oh, God, that was terrible. That was terrible. But I need to end it now before any more terrible jokes come out. <laughs> Nate, Nate's, Nate's had that hilarious. Nate like that. I like that, that a lot. That was great. That made me the most you've loved <laughs> for this whole podcast. How long have we talked of? Talking for. Talking for. Talking for. How long have we This is the drunkest for? we've sounded on this. Yeah. 47 minutes. Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry, but um, I've enjoyed this chat. I've enjoyed seeing you guys as ever. It's a summer break. We've not done one for a month. We were, we were due a long one. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> What's he laughing at? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. Right. Rossi. I'm going to call it funny? there. Chaps, no, stop. Well, we're calling it here, okay? Oh, uh, I'm at a lossy yeah, for words. <laughs> <laughs> That was me. <laughs> what 
Wait, hey, it's the what? same as what he said. It's the same as what he said. <laughs> no, because you repeated it, not because it was a different joke. Oh. Wow, some favouritism coming out here. <laughs> if anyone was in any doubt, and I'm sure you weren't, as to why our rating system is flawed, you've just seen a prime <laughs> example. Uh, right, I apologise to everyone listening. To my two friends sat opposite me at this bench. <laughs> At, at uh, this at this point, actually, I just want to add that we love everyone who's listening. At, we do. Like, yeah. The fact that you've stuck with it—that it's been a month since we've given you anything—and we're so intimate with these podcasts. Yeah. But um, it's fun to just shoot the shit with our mates and let people hear it when we can. So we'll try and do it when we can. Yeah, definitely. Like it's uh, it's gonna get busy when we go back. Are we both at both races, San Monza? Indeed. Yes. Cool. We can probably do one in Sandvoort, can't we? Like we did on the beach last. Yeah, week. we'll do that again. We'll, we'll do a, we'll do you another beach uh, techno episode. Look forward to that. Oh yeah, so, that was yeah. good last year. Enjoyed that. Wicked. All right. Well, thanks so much to anyone who is still listening. You can follow us at the Paddock on our social channels. You can read Nate's work on ESPN.com, Meadows' work on Race.com, and my work on F1.com. Uh, Nate is saluted me because I managed to finally close this podcast. We'll do this again very very soon. Bye. 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 I was crossing the street when I met the love of my life. I chased after her. Nothing would stand in my way. Not the dog walker, nor the hot dog vendor. Finally reaching her, I asked, what do you call that amazing smell? Um, it's Gain Flings. Gain Flings. My love had a name. But more importantly, it had a scent. Fall in love with Gain Flings. Seriously good scent. Try Gain Flings today with special savings at Family Dollar. Sports Social Podcast Network.